so when you think about thought leadership, thought leadership is truly the demonstration of your values. It is truly the demonstration of who you actually are. And so thought leadership goes beyond a subject matter expert where a subject matter expert is talking about all of the things that you know really well. But if you are saying the same thing that everyone else is saying, that is not a thought leader. A thought leader usually has an opinion that is different from the masses. And the way that you find that is through what your values are. The way that you find that is through your own experiences. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea, not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm excited to welcome our guest, Sharice Floyd. Sharice is a speaker, author, and CEO of Witness My Life, a people and culture firm that amplifies marginalized voices with thought leadership. She partners with nonprofits, corporations, and universities to license women's leadership programs. She's on a mission to equip women with the tools to raise their voices and tell their stories so they can stop auditioning for their value and get paid for their ideas, not their labor. Prior to starting her company, Sharice spent over 20 years in nonprofit marketing as a director of communications, where she helped organizations increase revenue with story-based marketing. She is an award-winning TEDx speaker and the organizer of TEDx Mint Street. She is an advocate for social change and believes telling our stories is the one true way to change the world. Her work has been featured in Chief Learning Officer, Essence, TEDx, Forbes Entrepreneur Magazine, and CEO World. She was recently named one of 100 Women to Know in America. In our discussion, Sharice and I talked about thought leadership. When I say thought leadership, what comes to mind for you? We broke down some common myths about what thought leadership is, what it's not, and talked about how to bring more of your thought leadership internally and externally. Spoiler alert, it doesn't mean that you need to become a TEDx speaker or have your own podcast. Sharice shares how to talk about your own experience to internal and external audiences 
in a way that is authentic to you through your own story. I know you're going to get a ton out of our conversation. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast, Sharice. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Laura, for having me. I'm very excited to have this conversation today. I'm really excited. We were just very authentic with each other when we jumped on this call. We've been trying to record for a couple of months now, and we've had to flex a couple of things. And so today we both found ourselves on this call, and we were both coming in and saying, hey, let's do a little background and reminder about what we're talking about today, because I felt unprepared. And so I am so happy that you were so authentic and open to share the same feeling. And so I think that sometimes, you know, we do our best to show up perfectly buttoned up. Mm -hmm. But today I'm so glad that I did not have to be, and I'm really excited to talk to you and welcome to the space that we're sharing today. Yeah, I think that was because we had that, that little bit of awkwardness in the beginning. I think this will make the conversation much more rich in terms of how we as women can start really being authentic and not having to perform and audition with people and just put it out there and see what happens next. Yes, I love it. And I and I think we both came to this conversation open to talk about different things. And we initially had our first, you know, email exchange knowing that this was a really good fit mm-hmm. and we couldn't quite remember why, but it came to mm-hmm. us very quickly. And so yeah. <laughs> and so I'm really just um thankful for and great and grateful for you um kind of stepping in in that authenticity and and being in this space today but I want people to know more about you. So I'd love to ask you, like, just tell us a bit more about kind of your career story and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, it's a, it's a messy story as many of our stories are. I, uh, right now I sit as the CEO of my company, Witness My Life. We do women's uh, leadership development. We go into companies and do leadership development. And when I was a young girl, the oldest of three girls, um, I knew there was something different. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that going to school and getting a quote unquote good job was really not <laughs> in in my in my sphere of things. However, I did what people wanted me to do. But every time that I would be um, in a job, like I didn't go to college because I was like, ah, I don't need that. I don't I don't know what I thought I was going to be doing, but I was like, I don't need that. But I knew that I was always smart. Um, and so I didn't have very good examples of what it was that I wanted to do. I didn't have really good leaders. I didn't have people around me that um, modeled what entrepreneurship was. And even the quote unquote good jobs that people had weren't necessarily the jobs that we think of today, where we have those those titles and we're sitting in corner offices and, and you know we have salaries to match. And so I floundered. Um, I thought I was floundering, but what I now know, it wasn't really floundering. It was just kind of learning myself. I job hopped a lot. I got to a point though, where I did start to grow up and like, what's going on here? And so I landed in the nonprofits uh, industry doing marketing and communications. I've always had a, been, you know, had a flair for the dramatic. I've always been good with words. I've always been um, a girl who wears her heart on her sleeve. And mm. so storytelling and marketing really 
became um, one of those things that I was naturally good at. And I had someone take me under their wing because like I said, I didn't go to college, but she's like, you've got a gift for this. And she um, mentored me in, in marketing and um, development and it just kept going and I kept going from there. And so I would get into a space with every single job, no matter the title, and I would hit a wall. And I would say, oh my gosh. And it's like being in a loop. I'm reliving the thing over and over and over. And it wasn't until I really started to understand what personal development actually was and bringing that into the fray. Quite honestly, people, I went to therapy. <laughs> I'm an advocate. I yeah. went to therapy and started to unravel who I was at the core. Mm -hmm. And the core of me is actually who is showing up at the job every day. And the core of me is the one that keeps hitting the wall. And so it really kind of redefined how I was showing up and how I was dealing with myself. And then when I started to look at it from the point of view of women, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the thing that we were missing in these women's leadership development courses. We're missing the heart of the woman. We're missing why she does the things that she does. And we're missing how her experience is showing up in the way that she leads. And so it's a very messy story, but that's what got me here. So here I am. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing kind of the, the messiness, because I think there's so many different paths. And I love that you learned from someone in mentorship. I love that you talk about therapy. Oh my gosh. I love, I do as well. And, yeah. um, like everybody needs a therapist and a coach. Like, mm -hmm. I just think you do it to be a human, but I think it's what you're doing now really speaks to the individual and their strengths. And it seems like that's how you found the core of you. And so can you talk a little bit more about how does a leader figure that out? Like, how do I know? And I talk about centering myself in my values. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's like family, it's growth and it's development, it's advocacy, mm -hmm. it's achievement. And so, um, it feels like usually those are my strengths, but I also have other strengths that are not those core values. So mm -hmm. how do you help leaders identify what theirs are and what have you found them really struggling with to kind of articulate that? So I um, use this process where I call the defining moment and the why. I'm very big on having women align their purpose and their paycheck. And it does also come back to values. Um, when I talk about my messiness or, or all of us in general, we, even if we have a low self-awareness, we know ourselves enough to know the stuff that keeps showing up over and over and over the stuff that, you know, we're like, goodness, I'm here again. Like, darn, this is happening again. So we start with those things that you keep coming to, you know, look at yourself like, wow, I can't get over this thing. But when I talk about defining moments and why, what we're looking to do is to think about when I say defining moment, I'm sure you can conjure up something in your head that has happened in your life and you can draw a line in your life between how you were before and how you were after. That is what a defining moment is. And so you would think about at least three to five of those defining moments and think about what the lesson was from each one of those. What did you learn? What did you hope would happen? What didn't you get from the situation? What did you need? All of that kind of stuff. 
And then think about the job or the position that you are in right now. Now, when people talk about finding their purpose, I don't really think of it in that way. I think our purpose has always been in our lives. It's just a, a matter of discovery, which draws back to what our values are. So think about what it is that you're doing in your life. What is important to you? What is an issue that you always that always comes to the forefront of you? And so when you think about why you're showing up doing the thing that you do, if you are really in a space where you know that this is the thing that you want to be doing for the rest of your life, even if you never got paid for it, there's always going to be a defining moment that correlates to why that is the case, because then you're really operating from that space. If you go through a defining moment and you have a why and you do not see that correlation, then you can ask yourself a question. What is an experience that I have had that I don't want anyone else to have? And think about where that is in your life. And it doesn't have to be a horrible experience, but it could be something that, you know, bothered you that you feel like your life or your work is a solution to that. What is that experience? And once you come to that experience, then you can start building out your values. If you don't already know them, you can start building out your values and building um, a life that is in alignment with who you truly are. I love the way that you describe defining moments. Like there is a before and then there is an after. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I can think of a handful of those. And I think most of them are tied to my values. How should we... If once we've kind of defined some of these things, how do we use them within how we lead? How do we use them? I think people sometimes are like afraid to like, does anybody, does anybody even want to hear any of these things? Right. <laughs> um, do I have the confidence to like share this stuff? Mm -hmm. And and so as we think about like career advancement and kind of showing up, like living a life and leading with our values and, you know, tying all of these kind of stories to it. Like, what is the, I guess, what's the benefit? And like, when would a leader do it sharing these things? So I'm going to start with the benefit piece first. Yeah. And in my work, we have, it's not so much in leadership. We've moved to that area of thought leadership. Thought leadership became really big during COVID because we didn't have anything else to do but to scan the internet and, you know, follow people, so to speak. Yeah. But, <laughs> but an interesting thing about thought leadership, which, you know, some people look at as a buzzword, but what has come from COVID is that LinkedIn did a study where they say 64% of people who have a thought leadership platform can command a higher salary than those who do not. And so it has emerged as one of those things that really does help people, but women specifically, to be able to expand their career and their salary. And so when you think about thought leadership, thought leadership is truly the demonstration of your values. It is truly the demonstration of who you actually are. And so thought leadership goes beyond a subject matter expert where a subject matter expert is talking about all of the things that you know really well. But if you are saying the same thing that everyone else is saying, that is not a thought leader. A thought leader usually has an opinion that is different from the masses. And the way that you find that is through what your values are. The way that you find that is through your own experiences. So when someone asks you a question, 
Um, and a lot of times this happens with women. When you ask women, what do they want? Most of the time, we've got to filter our answer through what everybody else wants from us before we get to the core of what we want and what we actually need. Thought leadership commands that you know exactly what that is, so then you can speak to that. And it's really your thought from your experiences and from your life that is actually drawing people in. And that is where you're actually leading from. So to lead where you are doing what everyone else is doing is not actually leading more than it's assimilating, assimilation, so to speak, but to lead from the core of who you are, your experience, your values, what you care about, what matters to you, that is where the thought leadership comes from. Because now you can speak to what you truly believe instead of what you have been told to believe. Ooh, that is so good. I um I cannot tell you how many so we have similar um kind of clients. Like I work with women as well. And so um as even they're identifying their values, oftentimes their first initial trend is I have my values, right? And then over time as we work together, they change them because they realize the values that I wrote down are not even for me. They're the ones I thought I was supposed to have, mm-hmm. right? This idea right. of, well, I'm, you know, I don't have a value of family. And if I don't, I'm a psychopath, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have to be caring for others. I have to be making an impact. I have to be doing this, 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 and this. And mm-hmm. we talk about, I want you to have at least one that is just for you, hopefully more, but this idea of where are you in this and what, and the core central question is, what is most important to you? Just like you said. And then from there, you know, there's iterations of, okay, well then what does success mean? Even if I have my core values, sometimes we define success by other people's societies, Mm -hmm. everything that we've been told it needs to be right. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of, of iteration and kind of the unlearning and the peeling back to get to really what you want. And then, like you said, you can tie it to your experience. And at that point, you're absolutely right. It is nobody else's but yours. And I think that difference that you kind of distilled, people think thought leadership is being a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. And I love that you're just dispelling that myth. I think that's yeah. so important. Yeah. Yeah. We we all are experts in something. The most that we're expert in is ourselves. Um, we don't do the work nearly as much on ourselves, the way that we study other things. We don't study ourselves as much, but when we become an expert in ourselves, and master self-awareness and, and self-governance, that is really truly when we we start to shine and see and actually build the success the way that we want it to be again versus what we have been told. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so what does that journey look like? I would imagine that kind of peeling back all of these layers, there's self-discovery involved with a lot of this. There's authenticity and vulnerability that will come up. How, um, as you work with women within leadership programs and with your clients, how do you see that journey go for them? And what are some stumbling blocks or concerns that they usually have or things that come up? Yeah, I think this word messy seems to be the word of the day, but it's messy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It, It really is. What I see actually happening with women is some of them meet themselves for the first time which is Mm -hmm. always really exciting. 
And so that journey is allowing themselves to deconstruct who they think they are. And I always, you know, say in my workshops and working with clients that you have to give yourself permission that who you think you are is not what you think you are. Um, but the biggest part that we come to it as is release the need to be a good person. Release that. Release the programming that you have to be a good person and accept all that you are because we have good in us and then we have some stuff that's kind of questionable but it's all of who we are and so if you are doing life in that idea that you have to be a good person then you have set yourself up to do what everybody expects of you versus the things that you want to do and so the process is like taking when we're talking about those defining moments again taking those moments and looking at what the lessons actually were but then looking at where your needs were met and where they weren't met yeah and because what actually happens is that as you probably know we grow up into these these full bodies but we do still operate from that younger self that didn't have something met and so you are that woman who is showing up as a full self but you're there's something that's not quite working for you because it's an it's an unmet need so when we figure out what that is and let me just say i'm not a therapist nor do i play one on tv (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's like but when we can figure out what that is then we can say oh this is where it keeps showing up oh this is where it's not quite what it is oh you say that your value is integrity but you're always showing up late. That's a mismatch. Mm. Oh, you say that you care about humanity, but then you kind of side eye people who give to a cause that you don't quite agree with. And so then you can say, oh, these are your values. How are they actually showing up in your life? And then as you can, you know, probably know, if it's not in alignment, well, we may want to rethink what that value actually is. And it's, yeah, it's just an unraveling to kind of put it back together sort of thing. And once they get it, none of us are perfect people. Being a human is hard. But when we do spend time to kind of know who we are, oh, because I've had this experience, I'm more prone to think and do this type of thing. When we know that, then we can see ourselves as we're showing up. Like it's not everybody else, it starts with us. And once we do that, we become better leaders, better thought leaders, better people. Yeah. One of the things that you just said was at the beginning of that answering of that question, you said you have an invitation to meet yourself that like hit me in my gut. Uh Like I just, in my mind, I went back to like the little, little girl, Laura. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, there's you, um, people can't see this because you're listening, but there's a picture in my office of me Mm -hmm. with my grandfather. And that's me when I was like five. And so I like to, um, it's one of my favorite pictures and, um, it just reminds me like, that's who I'm still that girl, you know? And it's like, it just, the perspective just shifts, you know, when you think about that and what did she learn and what, and why does she do the things that she did? And it absolutely, absolutely is tied to the things that I do now. Right. And so I think about achievement. I am one of four kids. That was one of the ways that I got attention. I was good at school. 
And so, um, so I did more of that. Right. And so, um, but then that plays into lots of other things that I don't do as well. Like you said, it's very messy. So I have some perfectionist things. I, um, I'll share a story. I'm, I'm starting something that I'm not great at. I'm, I'm doing some rowing, like in a boat, like a crew and I do indoor rowing and I've been doing that for a ton of years. And, um, I just started, uh, like real rowing and I'm horrible at it. <laughs> and it is not, I do not like that. That is very uncomfortable for me because I thought I was going to be good at it. And I have to unlearn a ton of things. And, um, the coach yesterday I was rowing and he, he said, the thing that you're doing, Laura, he said, you are trying to correct yourself in the moment and it's messing up your stroke. He was like you need to commit and just do it because you get another chance with every stroke. And that just hit me. And I was like, that is like such the metaphor of life of trying to do it perfectly while you're still, you know, executing as opposed to commit to the thing, whether you're good or you're bad at it, because you get another chance to do the thing. And, yeah. um, and that just, it, that is just this I, reoccurring thing that you just mentioned in terms of who was that girl, what, uh -huh. how did I learn? What was incentivized all of those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so as I think about that, that story, and you tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong, but like that feels like thought leadership. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Cause it feels like it's, it's connected to me. It mm -hmm. is my, absolutely my experience. It's something mm -hmm. that I care about and it is not perfect, mm -hmm. but it still feels vulnerable. Yeah. And so when you're actually leading from that place and you do um, elements of thought leadership, if you're writing or a podcast as you have and you're <laughs> speaking and you're talking about what it is that you truly believe authentically, then yes, that is your absolutely your thought leadership. And I have found with so many women, when we're talking again about meeting ourselves, what's so incredible about the work that I do that I absolutely love is that so many of us have been on this treadmill of auditioning. There are women who have tons of degrees, tons of letters behind their name. Women earn the most degrees in this country. And even with all of that are still lagging behind in leadership and pay and all of that because the historic management of us as people. <laughs> but, um, but, you you have a woman she has all of these degrees and she's getting all of these degrees because she is trying to correct that feeling of not feeling good enough and so every one of them she's getting them to be like okay i've got enough i'm decorated i have them i have them she gets the title she's got the money she's got the the home she has the perfect family she's got the wardrobe she's even got the yorkie and none of that is fixing what's what's internally now, again, I'm not a therapist and I do not play one on TV, but I am able to identify those things where you're like, okay, because it's not about any of this stuff. It's where did this message come from? Yeah. And this message, if, you, if you're not gonna deal with the message, then you're gonna keep doing this. Like you're on to your fifth degree. Like how many do you need, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I feel like you are literally speaking into my soul because that's what I was doing for years and years. So I have my PhD. I have the, had the big job, the, 
you know, all the things work for a, like some really great companies, all the, all the stuff that you just mentioned and minus the Yorkie, I had a different, <laughs> really, super, we, we have some other really cute dogs, um, okay. <laughs> but they're bigger, but until I, um, and I always think I led in an authentic way, uh-huh. but it was always, my career has been more, what's the next, what's the next, what's the next. Right. right? Uh-huh. And not until I was in the C-suite and I realized, Hey, I can do this job but do I want to do this job? And that's when I left to do what I'm doing now. And I knew that that was more in alignment with my values. I still love that team. I loved that job. I love, you know, all of it, but I knew I needed to do something else because I wasn't going to be the leader that I wanted to be if I stayed not living my values. Right. And so I needed to do that for growth and development, um, to meet those needs And now it does feel like I'm in alignment. Um, There are still days though, of course, that like you jump back into the, see, I have this or I have that or, you know, all this stuff, but it, I have, I've not felt more authentic um, than I do the last couple of years for sure. And so I know the power of that completely agree. My award-winning book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now available in audiobook. Since the book released just last year, the biggest question that I've gotten from readers is, is it available in audiobook? In this book, you'll get to hear my most pivotal career stories and some of the successes of my clients as you learn about the values first framework and how you can take action on your life and career. The audiobook is narrated by me. So if you love this podcast, you'll love the audiobook. Values first, how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want is now available on Audible and iTunes. When you're working with women, if there is that misalignment, what is, and I see that sometimes too, right? So they're in these big jobs or they're trying to advance career. They have to make these big decisions. If they find themselves in misalignment, how have you found just getting clarity and understanding and bringing in that thought leadership has gotten them closer to what they want and to make those decisions that they know they need to make, but they just really haven't. You know, it's again, just this this process of self-discovery, like really, truly once the light bulb turns on, like the type of experiences that you have and you know, like you're really operating from this story and not necessarily from the present moment, you're operating from the historic story and the story that you're telling yourself about what you can do and can't do, that you really, I have seen that women start doing a major shift. Now, there are people that go through this and being in a C-suite is absolutely what they want. And every and that is great because it's really about what do you want, like not telling right. you what's, what you can do and what you can't do because autonomy is my top value. Mm. <laughs> And I see how it it continues to play out in my life and where it has been playing out in my life. But once they kind of come to that realization of what they want, then they start 
I will say some of them start making a plan to do it differently because yeah. sometimes it can be buried so deep that it is what it is, right? You're like, okay, I know all of this, but I'm just gonna, I just, I have to live with it. It's what it is. But I do get women to kind of understand there's a lot of talk now, now that we're much more self-aware, much more, we, we talk a lot more about trauma. We talk a lot more about healing and toxic workplaces and all of those things yeah. is to get people to understand where um, we all have that ability to be toxic. So if you are in a leadership position and you have not gone through a process of self-discovery and self-awareness, that you could be the issue. You, mm. you know, and so that's where we see a lot of this, this mean girl culture coming from. Um, we see a lot of bad leadership happening um, because I work from the position that leadership is not about a set of skills and a criteria, so, so to speak. It's a relationship that you have with yourself and how you handle other people is a demonstration of that relationship. Mm. So if you are rude and, you know, mean and all of those things, that's really telling the world that you, there's a disconnect between your, you're not in alignment with yourself. And mm. thus all of us become the victims of that. So once people kind of get it and it switches on, um, then we start building out a plan for what that leadership actually really truly is and what it looks like. A lot of the clients that I work with have a desire to speak. They have a desire to write books. But even when you're working in a corporate environment, there are a lot of um, where we have to speak every day, no matter what industry we're in. But there are certain industries like law and real estate and health where we're speaking a lot and presentations become important. And so being able to um, speak to what you truly believe and people have that fear of public speaking. It's not necessarily a fear of public speaking. It's a, it's a fear of failing at something that you don't think that you're good at in the public sphere yeah, <laughs> because yeah. we speak every day. It's like, but you, you, you glamorize this thing about public speaking. And so once it turns on, People are, you know, we can make that plan to get you into a better position, especially if you want to move industries, because now we're building a platform where people can find you and offer you the things that you want. I really like how you've made that very tactical and it's and it's something that you can kind of break down to make it actionable. I love that it's you just kind of reframed what public speaking is. And you've all, you've given us kind of a formula of the kinds of things that you might speak about. So as you, if you're a leader who has done this work of self-discovery, you cannot unsee it now, mm -hmm. right? So you're on a path <laughs> yeah. and you want to start to grow your thought leadership platform. That feels really, it could feel jaunting, but what does it tactically mean? So you mentioned potentially speaking in just different forums um, sharing a different type of story. What does what does a quote unquote thought leadership platform consist of? What could it consist of? So I'm going to go with the big ones that we know, and then I'll bring it down for us regular folks. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> big ones that we know, the, the people that we, we follow, like Oprah and Brene Brown and, you know, people that have their everywhere. Like you can clearly, if I said Brene Brown, we all know what her platform is, vulnerability and courage and all the things. So thought leadership in its grandest form is that 
um, you're speaking, you're building credibility, you're building authority, you're known for a specific thing, you've got, you know, books, you've got places where you're published, you know, you're, you're showing up in, in spaces where people are playing you, you know, quite a good figure for you to just show up and just do what you do, just to be who you are, right? Those are the big, big platforms. For those of us on a much smaller scale, we still use those elements, but we use them in relationship to our lives. So if I am someone who is in a job right now, I've done the self-awareness work, I know what I what it is that I wanna do. So in addition to the question earlier where we talked about what is the thing that, um, what's an experience you had that you don't want anyone else to have experienced? There, there's another question, what do you want to be known for? And then the third question, what does the world lose if we do not know your story? Ooh, so once that's people, good. That's good. Once, <laughs> once we answer those three questions, we can start building what the platform actually looks like. So now when you talk about what you want to be known for, once you have identified those things, it's so much easier to say no to the things that are not in alignment with what you want to be known for. Hence. I want to be known for helping women in their thought leadership, hence why I'm on the podcast with you today. If this was a podcast about pet sitting, I would not be on said podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and so you define what it is that you want to be known for. There are podcast companies right now or the fastest growing segment of podcasts, companies like Motorola companies like insight partners that's here locally in charlotte they're companies that are doing podcasts that are also looking for guests that are a part of your whatever your expertise actually is so you want to be able to create a platform that's searchable and you want to create a platform that appreciates in value versus decreases the value so that means you do not have to spend a lot of time in social media you can do articles around what it is that you speak about, even if it's blog, even if it's on LinkedIn. And I encourage people to have a LinkedIn profile because LinkedIn is searchable with Google. If I type you in, your LinkedIn profile is going to show up. Your thought leadership can be displayed right there in the context. They give you every all the tools that you need to do it. So it's really taking what is it that you want to be known for? Now having your values and understanding your, what your self-awareness is and speaking from your authentic place, now you can put that type of stuff into the world and you're searchable and it continues to draw traffic to you because it's not a social media post that disappears as soon as you post it. So yeah, those how, how you can use it in a practical sense and then as you grow it, do conferences that are within the industry and eventually what you're looking for there's an internal audience that you'll always speak to these are the people who know you and know what you're about but you're looking for that external audience where your expertise is going to transcend your industry so you can be an expert in a certain subject matter in a certain industry but because you have demonstrated thought leadership around it that now translates into another industry so for example i do women's leadership i do it consistently for women in the corporate space but i also do women's leadership in the healing space where i help women who have experienced some form of abuse learn how to tell their story so that means that my the elements of who i am the asset that i am and that you are has the ability to transcend industry and that's what women what i would like them to understand is that their story 
is an asset and it's an asset that people will pay you for and that you can command value out of it when you use it appropriately. Oh my goodness. That was so good. This idea of transcending industry. I really like that. And when I think about um, just my own experience in corporate, the internal audience are things like your team meetings, mm-hmm. your, yeah. um, your department meetings, your peer meetings, um, a career panel, a town hall, um, all those, an ERG speaking event, kicking off something, whatever it might be. And then that external, absolutely, this idea of industry conferences, there's people always looking for guests, always. And I think (laughs) it's, I mean, I literally in this space. And so um, people want to hear your story. We don't want to just hear about the thing that you know about. It's about your experience. And while most podcasts are not paid things like you guess you you show up to we're on a zoom meeting right now right where we hold an hour of our time but then this will then be content that i refer back to that you can refer back to it's evergreen content right like you said it's not evergreen meaning it's always there and it's there doing work for you it's searchable we'll put keywords in it we'll use all those kinds of things Um, to make sure that it's an asset that can be used. And I think that's a really great example of something that you can be a guest on, use that, showcase that. I I also love it. If you're on enough of them, you can utilize it as a way to say, hey, I really, um, I'd love to have that conversation with you, but I was also on this podcast. So listen to that first and then send me your questions. Um, because executives are busy and you may not be able to mentor everybody or spend time with everybody, but you can share that asset in lots of different ways. Yes, absolutely. And it keeps working for you over time and helps to build your credibility and authority. So we all have to work. We all need money to live. (laughs) And so to think of ourselves as an asset and and the lessons that we have learned and the way that we think about them, because no one else is going to think about it in the way that we think about it, that is absolutely an asset that will pay dividends again and again. Yeah. And I love, I love this as a way to think about extending your brand, Mm -hmm. extending your leadership, extending just the letting other people know what you care about most. Mm -hmm. and what you want, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to toss this in because I do get this question a lot. uh, When you just said brand, Um, people are like, well, what's the difference between personal brand and thought leadership? Uh, Personal branding is, is an assessment of you. Actually, every single one of us has a personal brand, whether we declare it is or not, um, because the way that the world experiences us is just our brand. If I you know, ask you the nicest person that you know, someone's going to pop to mind because that's the brand. So personal branding is really a, your perception of a person. It does not necessarily has anything to do with what they think, what they believe. It, it's a brand that has been curated. Most of them we would hope are very true, but it's still something that's curated. Thought leadership is a step beyond that. It really is taking that person into account. And then what do you actually think and believe? And then you're speaking to that through a personal brand, but still um, speaking to that because you can have a personal brand and not be a thought leader. So absolutely. 
Yes, I completely agree. And I love that you kind of broke that down for us. I also think that like the idea of thought leadership, you have control of that narrative. You get to decide what stories that you tell and what experiences that you share. And those are the ones that people want to hear because they want to learn from you. And that's the perspective. And so it feels like this is my perfectionist coming out. It feels like I'm more in control. Does that yes. <laughs> of my thought leadership? <laughs> brand, yes. but, but that might just be um, stories that I'm telling myself. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have so enjoyed our conversation today. It has um, just been, it has brought me so much energy to share the space with you today. And I just really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. It, it was, it was really, it was really great for me as well. So I appreciate it. Given how we started, like, wait, what are we doing? But yeah, what are it. we talking about? <laughs> how are we going to be amazing together today? Um, so how should we connect with you? What's the best way to find you? The best way to find me is absolutely on LinkedIn. It's really the only platform that I even spend remotely any time on. Um, you can also find me on my website at TeresaFloyd.com. <laughs> but yeah, LinkedIn is, is is where I play. And through either one of those, you'll you'll see uh, the value of what I do. We we do a lot of licensing with companies around our women's leadership development. So if you're listening to this and you're sitting in a company, you're like, this will be good for our team reach out to me and let me know. We love coming into companies and, and teaching the women um, to do this and then to blossom as they see fit. I love it. Thank you so much for your thought leadership today and for spending time with me here. Thank you. It was great. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.